0: Good morning, y'all. <laughs> I am so happy to see you and be here. Um, are y'all shocked to see me up here ready to give you the word of God? <laughs> I know. I am. I am so shocked. I want you to know that when the preaching team asked me to, to bring the word today, that I sat in front of my computer where I got the notice and for 30 minutes, I'm not kidding, I sat there and I just moaned (laughs) and cried before the Lord. I am just so humbled by God's goodness. You know what, He can do anything. he He can do anything He wants to do and He can use anybody that has a willing soul, you know, a willing heart that wants to serve Him. Was I supposed to um, tell the kids city to to go to your places and <laughs> and spanish Spanish class can can go? <laughs> Alvaro <was> like, yes, <laughs> thank you <laughs> Okay, thank you. Sorry about that. So many of you know my story, but some of you may not, so just very briefly, so you'll know why i. I'm often sitting before the Lord and moaning and just unable to speak. I was born in the projects of Miami, Florida, and I was just a wild, I grew to be a wild teenager. I was just, I was one of those, doing a lot of bad things, involved in a lot of bad things. And I heard the gospel for the first time through my sister, Linda, and I can't even say her name I say, my sister Linda, who led me to Jesus. I can't say Linda without saying she led me to Jesus because she saved her pennies and flew from Florida to Texas in Plano, Texas, where I was living at the time, just to share the gospel with me because she knew I'd never heard. When I heard the gospel, I, I said a fast yes. Like I was so excited that I could actually be forgiven and that God really loved me. And I was overwhelmed, and I have never gotten over it. I'm still overwhelmed. I sit and moan in front of my, uh, I sit and moan just thanking God. So I, when I got up from my knees that day praying, repeating a prayer after her, I didn't even know how to pray. I was one of those radically changed teenagers. And I have never been the same. So it's almost been 49 years now since I've walked with the Lord Jesus, and I'm so thankful I'm not over it. In one of my paper Bibles, you know, you remember those? We have those. (laughs) I have a paper Bible. And uh, you know the story in Luke 7 where the woman busted in the room where Jesus was reclining at the table and eating, and she's pouring out her perfume on his feet and wiping you know, in her tears. And in my Bible, next to that passage, I have the word me. That's me. Amen. Jesus said, she loves much because she's been forgiven much. And that's me. And the truth is, we've all been forgiven much. I love him so much, (coughs) I can't help myself. I tell him all the time, he hears me every day tell him how much I love him. He has been and still is in the process of uh, sanctifying me, you know, growing me all the time. I'm not perfect, but he knows that I love him and he hears it from me all the time. You know what? I would love to pray just a moment if we can. Would you stand with me? And I'm going to pray out loud, but you can pray out loud too and say anything you want to God at this moment, okay? God, I just want to thank you so much that you have given us life and breath and health, that we get to be here today and we get to live and move and have our being in you. God, your mercies are all. Us and we're so grateful. Thank you that we get to be here in this gathering, that we get to uh, be loved by those around us here, and we get to be loved by you. God, I thank you for the freedom to sit here and listen to your spoken word. Oh, God, we need you so desperately. So, Lord, I ask in the name of Jesus that... As you said, Jesus, no one can come unto you unless the Father draws him first. So, God, I ask that you would draw people to you for salvation and for freedom from bondage in this place today. And I declare in the name of Jesus that if there's any interference from the enemy, he will have to answer to the blood of Jesus. Please anoint this time and do what only you can do, Lord, and we thank you for it ahead of time in the name of Jesus, amen. amen. You can be seated. Thank you for praying with me. Our story begins here with Jesus arriving in the temple early in the morning that day, and it says he, he left the Mount of Olives, where I imagine he probably spent the night there. It was seems to be one of his favorite garden places. Um, I've noticed many times in the Gospels that Jesus went somewhere really early in the morning. Do you notice Notice that in in the word, Jesus got up early, or while it was still dark, or he went early. And you know what, I thought about this, one day it occurred to me that Jesus, he just wasn't used to the dark. He wasn't used to the dark. You know, where he comes from, there's no darkness. He had to enter darkness when he came here as a human being. And the Bible says, in him there is no darkness at all. So I just thought about that one day. It just made me smile, you know, like he's just, he's just not used to the dark, and he was ready to get up and go. He got up early because he liked the day. I just love thinking about his humanness <laughs> because I can relate to that, and he relates to me. So the Bible says he, he arrived there at the temple during uh, that big Jewish celebration called the Feast of Booths. This was a time when God, he did not want his people to forget what he had done for them in the wilderness, okay, where they they wandered and how he delivered them from bondage. So God instructed each family to build a simple booth or or maybe a tent type thing outside, and they were to live in it for a week. And this was to help them remember how they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years and, and all that God did to take care of them. God did this because he knew once they got to the land and they got fat and happy, you know, that they might forget him. And he knows how much we need him. So this was a reminder. It was a big, joyous celebration from what I gather. Do you remember things that God has done for you? Yes, boy, I sure do many of you know i've got many stories the older i get i've got more stories they just keep coming of god and his faithfulness to me but one of my most recent as you know is my uh, battle with cancer breast cancer uh, three years ago and how god let me live and i'm so grateful (coughs) Um, after recovering i held a big party outside steel street who was there with me Many of you were there. I had to celebrate. You know, sometimes we forget to celebrate. We need to remember our great God who is with us and won't leave us, and he helps us through this life. So it's good to remember and to celebrate the mercies of God that follow us all the days of our lives, just like the psalm says. If nothing else, mark your calendar in your phone where it repeats every year so you can be reminded in our busy life to at least stop a minute and give God glory and praise for what he's done for you. It's important. So here we are, just the day before Jesus at that temple, he had stood up and said, "'If anyone thirsts, let him come to me.'" The religious leaders at this time were already up in arms about Jesus, and they wanted to find a way to kill him, have him killed. On this particular day, Jesus sat down down and began to preach, teach, the Bible says. And while he did, the religious crowd brought a dear woman caught in the very act of adultery to see what Jesus would say about her fate. Can you imagine her horror, humiliation, anger, her fear? These leaders did not care at all about the issues of this woman, They just wanted to use her once again and trap her, trap Jesus into going against what the law of Moses had said. And what the law of Moses said was that she needed to be stoned. So they were kind of daring Jesus to go against the law. You know the story, we read it. Jesus said, whoever's without sin, let him cast the first stone. Oh, I love him. I love how Jesus helped them to recognize their own sin first. It's what he was doing. The light of the world exposed them and their own sin. (coughs) Then he forgave the woman, and she got to go free with instruction on how to live her life from now on. Stop sinning. Oh, the love and mercy of God. I was not too far gone for God to save me. You, you are not too far gone for God to save you. Jesus spoke this word, word to them. I forgot about my slides. Look, watch. This is so cool. <laughs> Look at that. Right? Yeah, there it is. I'm so excited. I feel like a professional. <laughs> no idea what I'm doing. She just said, push that green button. So there we go. Jesus spoke this statement to them. I am the light of the world. He that follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Let's look at Genesis 1, 1 through 4 for just a minute. I'm just gonna read it to you. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the face of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God has been separating the light from the darkness from the very beginning. They just don't go together. Now, when Jesus came, the light was switched from a word here in Genesis 1 to a person. Yes, John 1, verse 2 and 14 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So the Old Testament word of God became flesh, and he was the light. This is so incredible. It's so wonderful. What does light actually mean, And, and what does it do for us? Well, the definition of light says the natural agent that stimulates sight and makes things visible. Spiritually speaking, it's spiritual illumination of divine truth. Take a look at this match. (coughs) Do you notice anything about this match? Anybody? It's lit. There's no light in the shadow. shadow. Did you know that would happen? I didn't know that would happen. I was looking for an illustration and look at that. Look at the shadow. There's no light in the shadow. This is so cool. The reason is because the flame itself is the source of light. A shadow is nothing but a darker area that is absent. It has the absence of light. I have a flashlight here on my phone, right? Do you have one? This is so funny. Before I knew how to do that, this is embarrassing. (laughs) But I'm okay if you're okay. I was at a concert, I love music, I love concerts. I'm at a concert, I'm outside in the dark, you know, uh, and I'm like, everybody's got their flashlights, you know how they do it, They've got their phones going, and I'm doing it, mine kept turning off, I keep pushing it again and I'm doing it. The whole, <laughs> it's a flashlight now, but our, our little phone flashlights are pretty strong. In fact, I'm seeing spots right now Jesus said, I am the light of the world, and he that follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. 1 John 1, 5. What does it mean to have the light of life? It means that you have Jesus. You have him. The life is the light that is Jesus. John 1, 4 says, In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. As we continue our story here, um, we need to know that this was no little statement that Jesus made, okay, at this time. There's actually a lot of deep things going on here. The Jews would have thought at that time that that the Torah... The law was the light of the world based on Scripture. Okay? Thy word is a lamp unto my feet. They were following the Torah when they brought that woman to Jesus, following the law. Let's just follow the law. They were saying this is what the law says. They were following the law, but they were rejecting the light. Jesus tells them that he is the light of the world. Even if you believe in part of the Torah or the word, you could still be walking in darkness if you're rejecting Jesus. The Torah actually leads us to Jesus. As we move on, Jesus reveals their fate. Without me, you will die in your sins. That's what Jesus said. After making the statement, the Pharisees began their long ordeal of accusations against Jesus. And I'm going to just quickly read it to you. The Pharisees challenged him. Here you are appearing as your own witness. your Your testimony is not valid. Jesus said, even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid. For I know where I came from and where I'm going. But you have no idea where I came from or where I'm going. You judge by human standards. I pass judgment on no one. But if I do judge, my decisions are true because I am not alone. I stand with the Father who sent me. In your law, it is written that the testimony of two witnesses is true. I am one who testifies for myself. My other witness is my Father who sent me. Then they asked him, where is your Father? You don't know my father, and you don't know me, Jesus replied. If you knew me, you would know my father also. He spoke these words while teaching in the temple courts near the place where the offerings were put, but nobody seized him because his hour had not yet come. Once more Jesus said to them, I am going away, and you will look for me, and you will die in your sins. And where I go, you cannot go. This made the Jews ask, Is he going to kill himself? Is that what he's saying? Where I go, you cannot come. But he continued and said, you are from below. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins. If you do not believe that I am he, you will indeed die in your sins. Who are you? They asked. Just what I've been telling you from the beginning, Jesus replied. I have much to say in judgment of you, but he who sent me is trustworthy, and what I have heard from him, I tell the world. They did not understand that he was telling them about his father. So Jesus said, when you have lifted up the son of man, then you will know that I am he, and that I do nothing on my own, but speak just what the father has taught me. The one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do what pleases him. Even as he spoke, many believed. To the Jews who had believed in him, Jesus said, If you hold my teachings, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves to anyone. How can you say that we will be set free? Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now, a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So, if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are Abraham's descendants. You are looking for a way to kill me because you have no room for my word. I'm telling you what I have seen in my father's presence, and you are doing what you have heard from your father. Who put on your seatbelts here? <laughs> Abraham is our father, they said. If you were Abraham's children, Jesus said, then you would do what Abraham did. As it is, you are looking for a way to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. Abraham did not do such things. You are doing the works of your own father. We are not illegitimate children. The only father we have is God himself, they said. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I have come here from God. I have not come on my own. God sent me. Why is it this language not clear to you? Because you are unable to hear what I'm saying. You belong to your father, the devil. And you want to carry out your father's desires, He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there's no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of all lies. Yet because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Can any of you prove me guilty of sin? If I'm telling the truth, why don't you believe me then? Whoever belongs to God hears what God says. The reason you do not hear is because you do not belong to God. The Jews said, aren't we right in saying that you are a Samaritan and demon possessed? (laughs) I'm not possessed by a demon, Jesus said, but I honor my father and you dishonor me. I am not seeking glory for myself, but there is one who seeks it and he is the judge. Very truly, I say to you, whoever obeys my word will never see death. At this, they exclaimed, now we know you have a demon. Abraham died, and so did the prophets. Yet you say that whoever, whoever obeys your word will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham? He died, and so did the prophets. Who do you think you are? Jesus replied, if I glorify myself, my glory means nothing. My father, whom you claim as your God, is the one who glorifies me. Though you do not know him, I know him. If I said I did not, then I would be a liar like you. (laughs) But I do know him, and I obey his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad. You are not 50 years old, they said, and you have seen Abraham? Very truly, I tell you, Jesus answered, Before Abraham was born, I am. At this, they picked up stones and tried to stone him, but Jesus hid himself and slipped away from the temple grounds. Jesus, They accused him. Jesus is bearing witness of himself, not having two witnesses like the law said. Jesus goes on to tell them that his father is his second witness, who is your father, they asked. What do you mean we can't go where you're going? Who do you think you are? Jesus refers to his father 28 times in this one chapter. He's so brilliant. He was claiming, he wasn't claiming any human authority at all. It all comes from the father. And he was closing the gap between him and God in front of these people. He was revealing who he really was. Right there in the temple, think about it, which was created to be the place where God himself dwelt, in a sense. Right there, they were having this lengthy conversation with creator, God himself. That's amazing. Jesus clearly told them that unless they believe in him, they will all die in their sins. He told them in verse 28 that when they have lifted him up, when they hung him on the cross, then they would know what they have missed. Verse 30 says that as he spoke, many believed in him. That means that those people that believed in him did not die in their sins. I want this for each of you today. What a tragedy for those people in that day to have been face to face with Jesus and to have died in their sins died unforgiven separated forever from God Okay Jesus said if you abide in my word you are my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free Freedom is a big hairy deal to God I have come to know That's why he put the garden the tree in the garden to begin with it's for freedom because true, pure love gives a choice. It's not forced upon us. Galatians 5.1 says that it was for freedom that Christ died for us. He's, that's why he set us free. So Jesus explains freedom. If you practice sin, you're a slave to sin. If you are a true son, the son has set you free, and indeed you are free. Jason actually boldly spoke about this at the very first message in this series. If anyone has never really repented and continual sin marks your life, then you are a slave to that sin. I think we can see this in our own life and not argue about it. We know how it is, right? Let me tell you something. If there is no freedom in an area of your life, there is no God there. You are blocking him out of that place. Because where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Yes. Don't be deceived, friend. Jesus Jesus was very straight up, very direct with these people as religious as they were. In, 14, in verse 14, he said, "My testimony is true." I came from God, I'm going to God, no. and you don't know God. I know that Jesus may seem a bit harsh here, and understandably so, but I also see his great love, tremendous love here. The fact that he was even continuing to engage in this conversation with them, still trying to get them to see the error of their way and reveal who he truly was, this shows the compassion. Of the Lord Jesus. Yes. Jesus loved these people. Jesus planned to die for these people very soon. 2 Peter 3 9 says, It's not God's will that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance. The light of the world is revealing himself to them. So, what does this mean for those of us who are um, children of God? By the way, dear friends, not everybody is a child of God. We're not born children of God. We are all God's creation that he loves and died for. He knows us. He sees us. He loves us. But we get to choose if we want to be a child of God and follow Jesus. It's that freedom piece that he, he won't go back on his word. Like he told Nicodemus, you must be born again. Isaiah 9 says, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. It means that Jesus removes the darkness from us when we turn to him. He does it. You don't have to try and get rid of your own darkness before you come to Jesus, Mm. he does it, okay, if you follow Jesus, you walk in the light, and there is no other light, by the way, Mm. there's no other light for the world, without him, we walk in darkness, my husband always says, you know, Jesus always knows the way, we just need to follow him, The fact that Jesus is the light of the world changes everything for those of us who have Him living inside of us. Oh my goodness, this is a whole nother message. (laughs) It's a whole other message for another time, I hope. But John 9 5 says, Jesus said that He is the light of the world while He is here. And then He said, Now I'm leaving this world. He said, You are the light of the world now. John 17. Oh, my goodness, you should read this chapter really slow, thoroughly. Just relax, read it, take in every word. Oh, there's so much. Grasp what Jesus is saying here. He is praying to the Father, and he's actually praying for you and me. Ephesians 5 says, you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the world. We become the light of the world when we're born again. It's, it's incredible. Whole nother subject matter. I want so much to talk about it. Can you tell? <laughs> but for now, we're just, just know that you believers are now the light of the world in this world. Then you bring the light of Jesus into the world, into every room you enter, everywhere you go, every relationship, every conversation. Oh, my, you've got to check this out in Scripture. You bring this into the world, the light of Jesus. So what must must we do? What must we do? John 6 says, they asked him, what must we do to do the works that God requires? Jesus said, the work of God is this that you believe in the one that he sent. So what work do we have to do? We believe in Jesus. So the big question is, what do you want to do with Jesus? He's the one. He's the one that the scriptures talked about. He is the light of the world. There is no time like the present, and we only know that we have the present. That's all we know we have. One day, the light of Jesus will fill this world, and there will only be outer darkness. Revelation 21 says, The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light. The Lamb, Jesus, is its lamp. Just like those people that Jesus was revealing himself to in that temple, he is revealing himself to you through his word right now your darkness can be cured. Believe in the light so you can have Jesus as your light. Believe in the light and you will not die in your sins. Amen. Just like Jesus wanted this for those that heard that him that day, he wants it for all of you too. If you are walking in darkness, this is God's mercy being extended to you. This is a call for salvation of your souls. A call to have your sins forgiven. A call for you to be born again into a right relationship with God. Everything that has ever come between you and God is gone. He did it. He loved you first. He came first to you. It's all been paid for by his death on the cross. He has come to you. He chose you, and he chose to love you. You get the freedom to choose him today. This is also a call for believers to repent of their sins, to clear out any darkness in our lives, in our hearts. It's sad to say that some Christians are not the light of the world because they're living with some type of darkness in their lives. I've been one of those Christians. If you know Jesus as your Savior and there's any area of, of, your life that is dark right now, I call you to repentance this morning. Sin is only fun for a season, and then it brings forth death. And it can bring death in many areas of your life. Death to your peace, death to your relationships, death to your health, and your very life. You may not even realize how much the darkness is affecting you, but the darkness is killing you. We are not under the authority of darkness anymore. When we, cho- when we choose to sin, it's our freedom of choice. We are giving the darkness authority in our lives. You know, a lot of times, and I've said it so many times, God is in control. Well, He is sovereign and He is in charge. I like to say it that way He's in charge but he gives us a lot of control because of this freedom we have. I invite you to repent of your sins today and step out of the dark place and come back into the light. Hebrews 4.13 says, nothing is hidden from God. There are no secrets. I know it's not always easy to have your darkness exposed, but the result is amazing. It's freedom. God is not here to condemn you. He's here to forgive you and cleanse you. 1 John 1.9 says that God will forgive your sins and he will cleanse you of all unrighteousness. John 6.37 says that he will never cast out, cast us out when we come to him. So you are in control here. God in his love has given you freedom to choose. Step out of the darkness, I pray today. Whatever that darkness looks like for you at this moment in your life, you can be free from that darkness. Examine your own heart. Examine your own heart. It's my time up. I'm doing really good with time. Are you shocked? Kevin, are you shocked? I'm shocked. I have so much more I want to say. But I'm going to pray. Father, I ask in the name of Jesus that you would please save and change people here today forever, just like you did me, and I ask it in the name of Jesus. Prayer team, if you'd like to come up front, um, please do so. Friends, if you want somebody to talk to, somebody to pray with, if you are unsure about your relationship with God, if you even really have a right relationship with God, please come and talk to us. We wanna, we wanna help you. We wanna talk to you and pray with you today. If there's an area of darkness in your life that you want to be rid of, I encourage you to please come up and talk with us today. Let's join together and and be rid of that darkness in your life. If you just wanna talk to someone, or just want prayer for any reason, come forward. We have our our prayer team here, and we have others as well to come up. So thank you, God, for what you're doing and what you're going to do.